0: Two,
1: two Swing Deep left. Way back. It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at myBookie. Hey, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Josh Norris, a senior editor at Baseball America, and this podcast, uh, which is with Diamondback Pacific Northwest Area Scout Dan Ramsey is brought to you by MyBookie. Hey, Dan, how are you doing today uh, on this fine labor day? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, uh, Really excited to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Um, It's the first time we've met, you know, uh, and it's a little bit of a new thing for you, too. I mean, can you start uh, just by talking to us about, you know, how you came from coaching at Whitworth to the twins in the GCL, to being a Pacific Northwest Area Scout. You told me off-air that, you know, your your father is a scout, so you have a little bit of a a a lot of, bit of a background in that area. Can you just kind of take me to how you got to this position?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have a, a really unique story. I think we all do in this game. But um, I played my first two years of college baseball at Gonzaga University, Division I school in Spokane. Um, and ended up transferring out, uh, ended up transferring just up the road to a small division three school uh, called Whitworth University, um, where I pursued my degree in kinesiology and uh, an undergraduate degree in um, language acquisition. Uh, I had a plan to teach Spanish to, or teach English to Spanish speaking ball players. Um, And my senior year at school, our our coach resigned. um, And I kind of pulled the team together and, said hey listen we're not very good we're going to get run out of here um, whenever they hire a new coach and one of my teammates like kind of a, in a smart aleck way said why don't you just apply for the job and that kind of planted the seed so at 22 years old I walked into an athletic director's office and said I want to be the next head coach at Whitworth and he kind of laughed at first and then I we we sat down and talked through it I got an interview ended up getting the job um, did that for nine years had some success doing it had a lot of fun doing it. um, To be perfectly honest, I thought that's what I was probably going to do for the the remainder of my career. I thought I was going to be a small Christian college head baseball coach. Um, I I have a buddy who at the time was working as a recruiting coordinator at the University of Northern Colorado named Kainoa Correa. Um, He's currently the uh, bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. Um, And Kai and I were um, having dinner at his place uh, prior to a camp. And he got a phone call from Tanner Swanson with the Minnesota Twins asking if he knew any catching coaches um, who would be interested in, in starting a career in professional baseball. Um, you know, I'm a catching guy. Kai hung up the phone. He never mentioned my name. And I said, hey, dude, like, you should have said something. And he's like, you're not going to leave a head job for a fourth coach in the minor leagues, would you? I said, probably not, but might as well give him – at least give my name. So he called him back, gave him my name. And I woke up to a text message the next morning from uh, Jeremy Zoll, the farm director with the, with the twins. And he, uh, he just said, Hey, kind of got the ball rolling, had the conversation, did the, it was quite the interview process. (laughs) It lasted roughly three months, but uh, long story short, I got the manager job um, for them in the Gulf coast league. Um, While I was there, I coordinated uh, extended spring training and from a guy who I never played professional baseball. Um, So for me, to step into spring training for the first time in my life, um, to see guys like Rod Carew and um, uh, Tory Hunter and Paul Molitor and some of those guys that I kind of got to rub elbows with at spring training it was a pretty, pretty awesome experience. If you can imagine for, uh, you know, a 30 year old who actually grew up a twins fan. So that was a, a fun experience, but I got about, I got from basically February through The 1st of August, um, I was in Florida while my family was in the Pacific Northwest. My wife was pregnant with our third child at the time. Um, I had two daughters who were young and I just, I felt like I was really dropping the ball as a husband and a father. Um, So I called the twins and told them, I said, listen, I can't keep this up. Like, You know, after this year, I probably won't return regardless of what your plans are with me. And um, I mean, I couldn't believe sort of grace that the twins uh, handled that situation with the way they they worked with me and they, they made some phone calls on my behalf they, and the Diamondbacks were one of the first calls they made and um, they basically helped me land this job which I think is pretty rare in this industry I mean people take care of people but at the same time it's it's pretty cutthroat at times so um, for them to take care of me was was pretty awesome um, and like I said I, I packed up my bags and left Florida for for the area codes in Long Beach. And uh, man, I haven't stopped since <laughs> just been rolling ever since. But um, like I said, kind of a unique story, but uh, I wouldn't do it any other way. So.
1: So what did the Diamondbacks do to kind of onboard you or was it just simply, Hey, uh, you, you've got a stopwatch. You've got a radar gun. You know what all players look like. Go. Yeah. You
0: know, it was, they, I thought they handled it great. I mean, they, they asked me and during the interview process. They asked a lot of questions um, that just kind of pertain to some of the duties that area scouts have, and how my experience as both a college coach and minor league manager um, kind of helped lead me to be successful as a scout. Um, and honestly, like, there's a lot of overlap in, in those qualities. Like I like we talked on uh, when we were off air, like being a, a college coach and having to recruit an area is actually really similar. Um, to what a, an area scout is doing. We're out identifying talent, we're getting to know players, we're getting to know coaches, um, you know, getting in with the families and really trying to develop uh, a relationship throughout the community. Um, and when I say community, the the entire Northwest. So I got to do that at the college level, which is has been a, a huge blessing for me in the position I'm in now, um, just because I've, I've established who I am and established a what I'm about, and a lot of people up here know who I am, so it made my job a little bit easier. Um, but you know, so they walked me through that, and then there were some little things too that they had me do while we were down there. And the, you know, here's the thing like, if you're not always learning in this game, I mean, not just this game, but in life, like, if you're not always learning, um it's going to be a, a rough road for you. You know, my, my pops told me all my, my life that if you're green, you grow. And if you're if you're ripe, you'll rot. Um, and I just kind of went in. I tried to keep my mouth shut that first week and listen to what people were saying. And um, for the most part of the, the evaluating talent piece wasn't a whole lot different. Like you kind of mentioned, I had a stopwatch. I had a radar gun. I kind of knew what I was looking for as far as players were concerned. Um, but some of the challenges just came the stuff I had to learn was you know how does this org communicate what this player is Um, you know and everyone has different vernacular everyone says things a little bit differently Um, so that was probably the toughest part of onboarding Um, but for the most part I had a ton of help I've got a lot of really great colleagues um, who kind of walked me through that process Um, fortunately there's a, a good chunk of us area scouts who are you know, between the age of 29 and 35, and we all kind of connected right away. And um, you know, guys like Jeremiah Lester and um, Matt Mercurio, like we got together a lot and talked through things, and it, it really helped that process.
1: So, so besides your dad, who would you say is your biggest scouting mentor? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I've never
0: really uh, thought about that. I would, I would have to go with uh, Doyle Wilson. Um, he's, he's my, uh, he's the West coast regional scout for us. So he's kind of my direct supervisor. Um, you know, I go to him with everything questions on anything, man. I got off the phone with him yesterday about how to write a, a specific player up who played multiple positions. So I'd probably, I'd probably say Doyle at this point in my career Um but, you know, it's kind of hard for my dad to be my mentor right now because we're competitors. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, a fun process for us to kind of manage and work through. But I'll say this, like, there's no greater blessing in the world than being able to go to work
1: every day and spend it with my pops behind home plate. So, I was going to just ask if your dad is uh, in the Pacific Northwest with the Nationals? Correct, yeah. Oh, man, that's got to be – I can't imagine. I know a couple – multiple brothers who scout – to. Together, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of a father son have the same territory. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I said, it's I, I just chalk it up as a blessing. You know, he's kind of getting toward the end of his career, and I'm just starting mine in, in this industry. So, um, it, it's it's pretty fun. It's like I said, I, I, there's nothing like it. It's pretty cool. So,
1: so like you said off air, your your first and on air, your first event was the Area Code Games in 2019. And that's where you got your first look at Corbin Carroll. Uh, can you tell me when you when you saw Corbin? Kind of what jumped off the page at you, and did you? I mean, was it immediately like love at first sight? Yeah, it was. Um, actually, this is
0: this is crazy, and I I think people probably think I'm lying when I say it, but I, I promise you, I'm not. Like, I left the area codes, and obviously, there's a lot of really quality players and a lot of talent at that event. But I left the area codes thinking, man, I really, really hope I get a shot at Corbin Carroll uh, because he was, like, the one guy that just stood out to me. He had, he had a presence about him, and, I mean, he still has that presence now when he plays. And he just – he looks the part. He looks like he belongs out there. And, um, you know, obviously the tools jump out at you, but for me in in this – like, the way he played throughout his entire senior year as well, I saw this was he just did so many little tiny things well and I came I I, I was fresh into this event as a coach I, I came from player development so I was used to filtering watching a game through the eyes of a coach and and Corbin just did a lot of little things extremely well you know he took the extra base he never got doubled up um, you, you'd watch his abs and his approach and you could just see he had a plan um, and that's that's kind of what initially jumped out at me and then you know, fast forward getting to know the player and when you got a guy that's high profile like that who's a potential first round pick. Um, everyone looks at him it's the only set of eyes is not the area guy. Um, the area guy is definitely a part of that but everyone looks at him it's a complete team effort when it comes to those top end guys. And. Um, but I think on the on my end of it, as the area guy, it became even more important to have a feel for makeup and character and, you know, what makes this kid tick? Is he going to be signable? Um, and as I got into that process is where Corbin really separated himself. So I did leave that event wanting him. Um, actually, the other guy I just really loved from that event was Brock Jones, a uh, left-handed pitcher who we ended up taking uh, later in the draft that year. Um, so yeah, I... Story storybook first year for me, man. It was it was pretty special to go in the very first report I ever
1: write is on the my the first guy I ever draft and that's Gordon. So do you uh do you have that report somewhere as kind of like a, a memento? Like if you frame it at all?
0: You no, know, you know I've saved it. I, I have a plan to frame it but I I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't wanna jinx anything like this kid's super talented, but until he makes it to the big leagues, he's he's just another ball player and and I think Corbin has that same attitude. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the hardest working kids I've ever been around, and, and he approaches things the right way. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, to decorate
1: my office with too much Corbin Carroll paraphernalia. I want him to be a big leader first. So When you, you saw him that first time, how many times subsequently did you see him? Um, so I, I looked at my stuff before I got on the call here. I, I got
0: 48 at bats his senior year. Um, so I I got to see him quite a bit Um, I I think I've watched 15 different games um, and for some perspective up here in the northwest they only play about uh, anywhere between 20 and 24 games if you're counting scrimmages and things like that so um, I saw a large majority of his games his senior year
1: okay Um, you know when when you get in that room the draft room uh, that year how exhilarating was it to know once the dominoes started unfolding you're going to get your guy you know I really
0: didn't know right up until like right up until that spot like I knew we liked him and I knew we had great reports and but you know there's there's so much that has to happen and, and I was fortunate enough to have this perspective because I grew up with a dad who I mean like I said he's been a scout for 30 years but everything has to fall into place for you to even get an A guy um, to get the guy that you want. It's, I mean, it's, the odds are so minuscule, that um, I knew going in, we were, I, we probably had a shot, but to be perfectly honest with you, his final game of his season, his senior year, I went up and basically I showed up to the game. And obviously I evaluated and watched Corbin. I already knew what he was and what I liked about him, but I also wanted to see who else was there. Um, You know, when you're picking 16, you got 15 other teams picking ahead of you. You can eliminate the top few in years where you've got guys like Adley Rushman. Um, But uh, every club that picked ahead of us was at the ballpark for his final playoff game. So I kind of went into it thinking there was no shot we were getting him. Um, I was hopeful. I was optimistic. But I just... Uh, I wanted to be prepared so that I, my my heart didn't sink into my gut when it didn't happen. Um, and when it did happen, uh, again, I was beyond excited and, um, you know, what a great way to kick off your first year as a
1: scout. So, Well, that wasn't your only guy you got that draft. Uh, a round later, but also a few picks later, you got Ryan Nelson out of the University of Oregon, too. So you started off pretty darn well, uh, you know. Same idea with Corbin. When you first, when, when did you first see Ryan? I first saw Ryan
0: in the fall. Um, it was probably November. Uh, Oregon tends to do their, their little, uh, their fall world series a little later. Um, I think that was where I saw him the first time. Um, you know, he wasn't in like full season form at that point, but there was a lot of hype, um, at that point in time, like we knew, I knew he was going to be a guy. I just didn't know what to expect. Um, He was kind of in a unique situation because he was transitioning from being the starting shortstop and closer to being a starter on the mound, um, which is no easy task for anyone, uh, um, let alone doing that in the PAC 12, which is a pretty competitive conference. So that was the first time I saw him. I I really liked what I saw. Obviously his stuff is absolutely electric. It just, just (laughs) this, it, you see it and you know what I mean it's it's special um and you know when when I found out that we drafted him as well it was it was kind of I felt like a, it wasn't real I was a really s- surreal situation for me and I was still kind of coming off the high of Corbin um I was so excited about getting Corbin and my draft was made at that point and we still had 39 rounds to go and gosh round two I get probably the most coveted arm in the Northwest that year. So, um, was pretty, pretty beyond excited. So.
1: Yeah. I got to see, uh, Ryan at, uh, in the, the last game of Hillsborough's division series, uh, against Salem Kaiser and wow, electric doesn't really begin to describe it, you know? <laughs> <I had laughs> yeah. He, everything. he
0: was, he was rolling, um, that time of year. I mean, you know that was something I wanted to definitely bring up. It was not only was it cool to obviously experience that draft, but to see both Corbin and Ryan end up in Hillsboro together in the playoffs and win a championship was was really cool because I actually felt like, hey, these guys are contributing to the success of our organization. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. It's about what we do as an org. That's why we're here. We're all on the same team. We wear the same colors. So to kind of see those guys contribute, and they really contributed. I mean, Ryan was basically unhittable um, in that series, and and Corbin uh, performed extremely well as well. So,
1: what's the difference? Did you then you've seen uh, in Ryan as a as a collegian and Ryan as a professional? It looked like I I think I heard that you made a few changes to the way he pitches. Yeah, you know,
0: um I didn't I do I do a lot more reading of game reports than I do of actually watching them compete um because I'm usually out on the road either for pro coverage or doing some of my amateur stuff so it was it was actually really difficult for me to get out and actually see those guys compete which is kind of unfortunate because they're probably not going to be in the northwest for a whole lot longer throughout their career so um you know, for me having the opportunity um to at least follow and just kind of read game reports is they, he's, again, he's, he's transitioning from being a position player who closes and he's only been a a starter for a year. So I know in our, we're, we're grooming him to be a starter. Um, We really believe in his stuff. Um, And it's, it's fun to watch him kind of come into his own and and work with some great coaches and player development. I mean, he was, he was fortunate to have coach Dietrich at Oregon while he was there. who's a, a phenomenal college baseball pitching guy. Um, but now he gets to work with some of our guys that that we're pretty proud of and uh, we like to brag about. So it, it's fun to see that they're helping him make some changes. Um, I don't know those specific changes, to be honest with you. I, I'm not privy to that information. Um, but it's it's definitely you, you see that when he goes out and strikes out 26 and 18 innings or whatever it was that he did that first year. So
1: was there a moment in his uh collegiate career that sold you on him
0: yes um, that's a an awesome question um they were playing Oregon State and it was a Sunday game they brought Nelson into pitch and I think the first guy he faced was Bo Phillip and he he blew him away right, it was like three strikes see you see you later go sit down and then one of the Oregon State coaches called timeout and asked the umpire to check Nelson's hat for a foreign substance Um, I mean and it was it was plain as day what they were accusing him of they thought he was cheating because it was so easy for him Um, and I mean Oregon State was a (laughs) that was a good club Um, and you could just see the fire in Nelson's eyes when that happened like he was he was mad and he stared at the Oregon State dugout and proceeded to strike the next two guys out and lit up the scoreboard with 100 miles an hour um, and when I saw that that fire I got to see that next level that bulldog in him it, it was it was pretty cool um, and that was kind of my moment where I went and this was pretty late in the year really uh, but that was my moment where I went like I we have to get this guy like this is the guy um, so yeah that was that was my moment
1: um, so If I remember that game correctly, because I was – I think I was watching that game. He had a pretty epic battle with Adley Rutschman that Mm -hmm. I think Adley almost took him out, but it was just foul, and it was had to be a multiple pitch at bat, and he struck him out, and you could see that, you know, all that fire come out of him at once. Was that the same game? That was the game. That was the one, yep. And was that that also part of your your profile? I mean, did you – were you – I I, I almost wonder sometimes if it's if scouts are so focused on evaluation, that they don't get caught up in the game itself. Were you excited to see that, that particular matchup? It's, it's Adley Rutschman, the presumed one, one at that point versus a guy you really want. Are you, are you excited to watch that? It's just a person who likes baseball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Like,
0: I think most scouts will tell you this. The reason we got into this game was because we loved it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still a fan of the game of baseball and you, you see those moments and you feel those moments. And I mean, I'm, I'm still, a am still a kid when it comes to this game. Like, and I, I don't know if other guys do this, but I'm still collecting ticket stubs from all the different games I get to go to. And um, I, I like it, man. I love it. It's, it's, it's fun. And yeah, those moments, you, you do get caught up in those moments. But again, as an evaluator, there's so much that you can see without, even really attempting to evaluate a player, you know, you, you can see that excitement in the fire and I don't know, you, you just like to picture who that guy's going to be down the road. Now he's thrown in front of a lot of fans and he's in the playoffs and the major leagues. And you, you see those moments and you feel that excitement and you just know that, uh, you know, what's on the horizon for a kid like that. So,
1: so one common bond between uh, Corbin and Ryan, I think is, is athleticism. And it's one of those things that's, I mean, it's really important for a ball player, obviously, but it's so incredibly hard to quantify, I I would think. Like, how do you, as an evaluator throughout your years, kind of measure the athleticism of a player? Yeah,
0: and that's a a really good question. I mean, you know, baseball is a sport that it takes skill. You know, I I like to use this reference, like, if you take – if you take Alex Rodriguez in the prime of his career and you put him in football uniform and you run him out at tight end, like he can, he can hide out there in the NFL. Like he really can. He's big He's strong. He's athletic. Like he may not make an impact, but he can hide out there with amongst the best players in the world in the NFL. Um, You can't take an NFL quarterback who's super talented and throw him in a major league baseball uniform and expect him to do the same thing. Um, so baseball is a very skill-based sport, but the reason athleticism, I think, becomes so important is because it's a, it's a game of making adjustments. And the more athletic you are, the easier it is to make an adjustment. Um, I've also found in my my career as a coach, and I've seen it as a scout, like the more athletic guys are, the more, coach, the more coachable they are. Um, because it's easier for them to make adjustments or do something that might otherwise be uncomfortable for other players. Um, so when I'm when I'm out evaluating these guys I'm looking at athleticism a big thing for me is just looking at the ease of their actions Um, are they explosive are they twitchy is it strength like what separates their athleticism Uh, and these two were guys that I I put both in as plus athletes you know it's it's not easy to be a shortstop in the Pac-12 and 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 Ryan was able to do that as a freshman and a sophomore that speaks to his athleticism Um, you know Corbin's one of the fastest players I've ever had the opportunity to watch. Um, That speaks to his athleticism. His hand-eye coordination is part of that. So, um, you know, a lot does go into it. But these guys, I mean, they went one and two for a reason. Um, Their athleticism stood out. It it wasn't something I had to dig for. It was pretty clear.
1: So, It's interesting, too. I mean, athleticism – it can almost uh, be tricky. Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean like the guy who looks like he should be selling jeans. Bartolo Colon is a pretty darn good athlete. I and mean, not too many guys of any size, let alone his size can make those feet like the, the behind the back throw he did a couple of years ago. For sure. Like how, yeah, yeah. How do you suss that out? I mean, we talked about twitchiness. We talked about ease of operation. Is it really, I don't want to say that simple, but is it, is those, are those the two main factors for you? Um,
0: to an extent,
1: I mean, that's not just the two main factors. I,
0: there's a, like, again, there's a lot that goes into it. Like, and, and it's interesting, too, because you don't have to be a good athlete to play baseball, right? Like, the reason baseball is such a great game is because I, I've said this for – there's three reasons I think baseball is a great game. The first, it's fair to the small guy. Like, you could be small and be really successful at the game of baseball. It's really hard to say that for a lot of other professional sports. Um, it's also fair to the fat guy. Like you can be a big fat guy and still be really good at this game. Um, and then the last piece, and this is more coaching related, but really it is, it is related to scouting as well. Is it's the most family-friendly game there is. Um, I can bring my seven-year-old and my four-year-old to the ballpark with me and show them how to hold the radar gun and do a great job and still get to spend time with my family. Uh, when I was coaching, it's the only game that I could literally walk out of the dugout, walk up to the back net, and give my daughter a kiss or a pound, you know? Um, so it's, it's a, it's a great game in that regard. Um, but again, it's very skill-based as well. Um, I think Trevor Bauer is a really good example. Like I don't think many people, including Trevor Bauer would say I'm a phenomenal athlete. I'm an elite athlete because he's really not, but he worked and worked and worked at what he was going to become and was really successful because of it. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that you can take out of that athleticism also doesn't mean they're going to succeed. I've seen some really phenomenal athletes who they can't hit a breaking ball and they never figure out how to hit a breaking ball. So, um, I think it's a lot deeper than just that surface level. And I think when we're doing our homework and we're seeing it a lot, like, you know, when I get to see 48 bats out of Corbin Carroll, I get a pretty good idea of, of how he makes adjustments of what he does to uh, make himself successful. So, um, you know, those guys are both really good, good examples of great athletes um, who are playing baseball. Um, but I think you mentioned it too, like Bartolo Colon is a good athlete, despite the fact that he's a big, thick dude, you know, so.
1: Yeah, like, I, I think I had a scout put it to me once, you, know, you have a lot of tools, but it takes more than tools to build a house. And, and yeah, I, that's right. <laughs> I think that's, that's a perfect way to kind of sum that up. And you're right. There's one of the best things about this game is that, Anybody can do it. You can watch, if you go to, uh, let's say, the Fall League, you will see pretty much everybody throwing 95 and plus. And they're not all, you know, built like brick houses. Now, some of them are 5'10 and just whipping your Billy Wagner types. Some of them are yeah. Johnson looking. There's so many ways to be successful in this game for so many bodies. It's just, it, it, there's, there's not a whole lot of people this, this game shuts out.
0: Yeah, that's right, and that's uh, again, it's one of the reasons I love it so much. So,
1: so I'll I'll kind of finish on this, but you know, obviously, this has been a bizarre year. But you know, you, you mentioned about off air. You, know, you are still out scouting. We got the band lifted uh, right after the draft. What is scouting like in twenty twenty? I mean, is it is it just eerie being at the ballpark, kind of knowing what's going on in the world?
0: It is. Um, it's it's different. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. It's it's really easy um, for us to to get stuck on our phones and flipping to, through social media. And, you know, my wife and I kind of, we've got four kids, so we've got our hands full at our house, but we've kind of made it um, a goal of ours to, to not let what's going on outside impact what's going on inside <laughs> in our home, if that makes any sense. But uh, we're doing our best to, to just move forward. The, the challenge that we've had up here scouting-wise is, you know, some counties are open, some aren't. Um, you know, I was fortunate because I live in Spokane, which geographically speaking isn't, isn't a great location um, in the Northwest for baseball because a lot of players come out of the Seattle and Portland area, so I find myself having to drive over there. Um, but a lot of places in Idaho have been open. Um, Idaho never really shut down so a lot of the Seattle area teams a lot of Portland area teams were having to haul over uh, and and play in North Idaho which was it was great for me because that's a home game it was a 30-minute drive Um, but it is interesting it's interesting navigating this um, uh, trying to understand where I can be when I can be there um, prioritizing who to watch and where to watch them. Uh, you know, a, a lot of what's happening right now is I, I just got done with baseball Northwest Championships in Medford. and um, gosh, there are a lot of kids I would have liked to see there that didn't come. Um, some of them, it was because the mom and dad didn't want them traveling. They didn't want them sitting in a dugout with other players. They're fearful of the virus. so um, it's it's tough. It makes our job a lot harder. Um, we've done a lot, we've implemented and started utilizing area report or sorry, video reports um, which is new for us. Um, it's not something we did before. Um, so that's been unique. Um, that, that creates a whole nother thing to talk about, honestly, um, because there are certain things you can't evaluate on video. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a learning curve for everyone, myself included. And I'm, I'm very new to this and, and open to technology and trying to use different things, but, um, there's definitely some challenges that have been created. So,
1: yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've heard all sorts of challenges about, you know, video scouting this year from pro guys who really have little else to go on this year. And uh other than videos from the alternate sites, big league game that MLB TV and past reports. And not every club is sending their video from alternate sites, so that's even doubly uh more difficult, especially considering we had a trade deadline a week ago or whatever it was. Right, this has all right. been kind of crazy. Um, well, thank you very much, Dan. I really appreciate the time uh, you gave me today, you know, just uh, coming on here and talking about Ryan and Corbin and kind of your thoughts on scouting. So again, thank you very much. This has been a baseball America podcast. I'm Josh Norris. That's Dan Ramsey. Uh, we'll see you next time.